Hey everyone, it's Frank at Click Studios, and today I have with me Michael Fritzius, uh, president of Arch DevOps, and I've known him for quite a bit now. I think he's someone that you can learn a lot from. He's helping companies ship better quality software through automation. I know he can say it a lot better than I can, so Fritz, uh, welcome to the show. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you're up to, and uh, why you're so passionate about it? Sure. So, yeah, I run Arch DevOps. I've been in business for just about four years. It's going to be four years this October, so it's pretty exciting. Um, what I do is build teams that can go in and help software testing teams, so manual testers, uh, business analysts, developers, uh, get a handle on mainly their test automation, and then take it even a step further and begin to coach them on how to be successful with the solutions that we write. Um, just recently, I had to change my tagline on LinkedIn to say that we blend automation and psychology because it really is a mix of technology and kind of getting into people's heads and finding out how they tick and determining what the best solution is. And I'm really passionate about this. I've been a software tester for about 12 or 13 years. It's been long enough. I Stop counting. You know, it's like you forget your age, right? <laughs> um, but about 12 or 13 years ago, I got my start in QA. And the longer I do it, the more I realize there's just, there's a lack of really excellent coaching and teaching and learning the craft of test automation. And so that's the challenge that we grapple with on a day-to-day -day basis. We just want people to be really, really good at test automation. That makes sense. And, you know, I can relate to even like on the development side um, in my early days starting off, you know, it was a lot of research and, you know, trying things out and not really having anyone to look over your shoulder. You know, I know at large, very large, uh, you know, programming companies, you know, they might have teams working together and whatnot. But, you know, for a lot of people, they don't have that sort of situation um, available to them. So I, I totally see why, why you're doing what you're doing and how it can make such an impact for these companies. So let me ask you this too. Um, I see where your passion comes from. How do you think that's sculpted your vision for Arch DevOps then? I think it has helped us see that there's a whole lot of capability with the software testing discipline. You know, the craft, the, the discipline as a whole, I think is kind of, not really at a standstill, but there's a lot of, a lot of churn. You know, there are a lot of vendors out there that have a silver bullet or they say they do. And a lot of people are trying to solve the problem, but they're trying to solve the problem with a tool. And our passion, the way that it's driving the direction of the business is focusing on learning the craft. You know, like if you wanted to hire somebody to build a piece of furniture, you know, you're not going to go look for people that are experienced with saws and hammers and chisels and drills. You're going to look for a carpenter, right? Right, right. So we're, we're basically teaching the craft of carpentry, which not many people are doing. Not many people are doing. And that, that's what drives the vision. And, you know, seeing that light bulb moment when you're working with a team of testers and they go, oh, my goodness, when they realize what they can do. And we're like, right, see, you know. And it's just, it's addictive, that dopamine hit. I just, I get kind of thinking about it, you know. It's just, it's fun, man. Fun. That's what drives our vision for Arch DevOps. There we go. All right. Okay. And, you know, I'm going to 
grilly a little bit because you know we want to see how you know what kind of end results actually happen in businesses from these sorts of you know well in your case like training and, and whatnot and teaching the craft so you know what's a common example of maybe a company that's not doing things right and you guys come in and you make a bunch of changes like what what's the true end result out of all of this sure well probably the most often thing that we see companies doing wrong is testing at the wrong layer. And okay. then if they try to automate the test, like sometimes they'll have test automation already. Well, let me back you up too. So what's, okay. what's, a, what's a layer? Because not everyone's going to know. Um, so when you're testing, for example, a website, um, and probably uh, you know, with your background, you've, you've got websites that you build. Um, you've got the front end. So the mm-hmm. website itself, we call that the UI, the user interface. And then you've got the back end. So the smaller programs that do all the heavy lifting, the grunt work, that's the API layer, the application programming interface or web services. Um, that's where a lot of the business logic is usually hiding. And okay. what many companies do if they, if they take on this, this task of, okay, we're going to automate some testing. They'll focus at the front end. They'll focus most of their effort on automating the website. The problem is that those tests are, they, they, they're notoriously rickety. Okay, if you can do it, but it shouldn't be all of the testing there. As much as possible, it should be a lot of the testing is in the back end at that hitting the web services. They're a lot faster. They're a lot easier to write. They're, they run quick. They give you a pass-fail status right away. You can isolate your, uh, your business logic really quick and find the bugs a lot quicker. That gives you a better return on investment. But yeah, sometimes when we come into a company and they're like, we've got 1,600 automated web tests. Well, <laughs> how, how many web service automated tests do you have? They're like, nah, we don't focus on that layer. I'm like, dude, why not? You could get so much more bang for the buck. Yeah, so, you know, like whatever we're developing, you know, a website from the ground up, you know, you have the front end and the back end and, you know, we'll go through a quality assessment near the end um, type process where, you know, we're making sure all the UI components are doing what they're supposed to do and whatnot. And the way it's always struck me is like, those are usually pretty straightforward tests. The, the real meat though is always on the back end because there's nothing worse than having built a system and, you know, you think you've input some data and it's not being saved right or it's being output in some wonky fashion, so to say. Um, so, you know, that, that's my experience. And I know you're, you're much deeper in, into that side of the world than I am. But, you know, am I, am I uh, experiencing kind of the, the same pains, but probably at a, a little bit, you know, shallower arena, essentially? It's the same pains. Um you know, the type of stuff that you're talking about can, can often be found at the back end. They're going to manifest themselves pretty readily at the front end. But I'm glad that I'm not the only person that uses that, that term wonky. I use that <laughs> and on a day-to-day, well, that's wonky. I mean, man, there's some, there's yeah. some wonky stuff out there, man. I'm telling you. When, when we're uh, dealing with all these uh, variables and, and code and all that stuff, you have to keep things interesting, right? <laughs> yes. So let me ask you this, um, you know, you've been in the industry for a long time too, and you know, you've seen a lot of things, you know, what do you think 
like, what are you doing different now? You know, what is it? Was it 13 years? I think you said what's different now than at the beginning of your career. Everyone always says the broader industry is so hard to keep up with. Things are always changing. Um, you know, there's always different tools. Now there's always different languages that are in vogue and whatnot. You know, I mean, there's probably so many different ways we could slice this, but you know, what's your view on it at this point? Well, on the thing about what I'm doing different now versus when I first started, I have to say I delegate a lot more. Did I ever tell you about, I can't remember if I told you this over lunch the other day. Did I tell you about Great Quest? Did I talk about that? No, you didn't. Okay. Well, I used to play World of Warcraft a lot back in my younger days. I was going to say when I was a kid, but I mean, I quit playing like, you know, a few years back. So I was an adult, right? Mm -hmm. um, but one of the things that they have is as you're roaming around the countryside, killing critters and stuff, you can collect a quest. It goes into your quest log and it's colored according to how difficult it's going to be. If it's fairly easy, it'll be green or maybe yellow, probably going to kill you. It's going to be red. But if you keep those quests in your quest log long enough and your character keeps leveling up and eventually those really hard quests start to get really easy. Eventually, if you leave them sit there long enough, they turn gray, turn into gray quests and you can do them but your character's not going to get any experience out of it. And back when I okay. first started, yeah, when I first started in QA, not just started when in my business, I would try to do everything myself, regardless of whether it would give me experience or not. I'm like, I got this. In fact, I would go for the easy stuff because I would feel like I'm getting a lot done. Of course, I'm going to do that. I'm the most experienced person. I can get that knocked out. And the longer I do this, the more I realize, hey, something that's a great quest for me might be a green or a yellow quest for somebody else. If I come alongside and I help them level up and give them something that they can that they can take on a challenge and they really want to do it and work with them so that they can be successful, then that does two things, right? It makes them uh, be successful with whatever it is that they're trying to learn, if it's automation or testing or something like that. But it also gives them experience with some of the deeper inner workings of the solutions that we're working on. And man... I'm telling you what, that like bumps it up to a factor of 10 when you want to talk about uh, how well somebody adopts the solution. If they have a hand in building it, they're a lot less likely to drop it on the floor and pick something else. So, that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. I don't think I told you this, but over the last like year or so, I'd actually been doing a lot of leadership reading from different authors and whatnot. And it seems like the the common thread is not giving commands, but letting, you know, your subordinates take charge and take ownership of the tasks at hand. So yeah. I mean, what you're doing right there is literally in line with the leading edge of leadership thought. So yeah, well, that's, that's, cool. that's really awesome. Well, it sounds like I'm on the right track then. <laughs> I, I think you are. I think you are. <laughs> I think that's safe to say. <laughs> Well, tell you what, I've actually got an Audible credit burning a hole in my pocket. What book do you recommend for leadership? So uh, Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willick. Uh, he's an ex-Navy SEAL. Um, I forget uh, what part of Iraq he was in, but um, he was leading, I think he was like a platoon leader for, I think it might have been Fallujah or something like that. But he's got a lot of very interesting stories. And now that he's out of the military, he's you know, turned into a business consultant and he shares a lot of his leadership stories and whatnot uh, oh, okay. back in the day. But uh, awesome. it's surprising how something like so different, like the military still weaves into the world of, of tech and whatnot, because 
at the end of it all, it's still, we're just humans, you know, trying to accomplish something and we're just using different tools within our industries. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think this is like the second time I've heard that book mentioned. I heard it mentioned just the other night and I said, Oh, is that, is that Jocko? And they said, yeah. <laughs> and I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, man, he's the one guy that I would be kind of afraid to meet in person. Cause he just looks like he would just sock you in the face for no good reason. Like, Oh yeah. Oh, he's a beast. <laughs> I mean, he, I've heard him talk. I've heard his Ted talks where I could be like, you know, a safe distance away from the guy, but I'm like, I wouldn't want to get within 21 feet of this guy. He's going to just punch me right in the, right in the face, right in the moneymaker, man. Oh yeah. Every day. <laughs> yeah. I, I think he's one of those guys who do not want to get on the bad side. I think he seems kind of, nice like i listened to his podcast like he's he's pretty i don't know he's kind of deep in that regard but you know thank god he's on our side and uh not the other side <laughs> all right so here let me let me circle back around now back to tech and automation and all that fun stuff so um, all right all right so this is kind of a broader um question uh you know your company in general and the solutions you bring to um, your clients and whatnot. My view is that a lot of companies end up getting created because there's something in the marketplace uh, that that you hate and you just can't stand and you think you can do it better, more efficient, you know, X, Y, Z, however you want to define it. So, you know, the official question would be as far as Arch DevOps goes, you know, you don't have to name names or anything, but you know, what do you think's going on in your in your industry that you're not a fan of? And you know, how are you trying to do it different? And how are you you know providing your solutions? I know we talked about bringing like a team approach to it and whatnot, um, but are there any other angles to it that we haven't talked about? Yeah, I think the the biggest thing, the biggest trend that I absolutely hate is there seems to be a lot of vendors out there that are trying to solve the problem with a tool and God bless them, right? I mean, they probably think that, hey, the industry is doing it wrong and we have the right solution and here's how we're going to be different. Mm -hmm. And like I said, good on them for wanting to do that, but it, it does tend to create, it does tend to foster a dependence on that tool mm -hmm. or set of tools. And probably, you probably don't see this in a lot of other industries, like outside of IT, outside of software development. And I think the reason why it happens so much in IT is because things are changing every minute of every day. And it's like the only thing that you can grab onto sometimes is like this tool. Everybody's changing, but everybody's changing in different ways. You know, all the companies that that tool serves They've all got their own needs and not every tool is going to be able to solve everybody's problem. And so what happens, and this is the part where I hate, right, is these companies get dependent on a tool that eventually they've already invested quite a bit of time and money in it. And now they don't feel like they can move off of it. They've got so much mass mm -hmm. built up that they can't do anything. And, and this is particularly the case for test automation. There are lots of big players that have been in the game and I'm not going to name names, but they've been in the game for like 20, 30 years. Mm -hmm. and corporations that are reliant on it and it's like this is not doing it for you anymore and that's why we focus on teaching the craft and that's how we're different because we're starting from the ground up and saying hey this is learnable stuff and yeah we're going to be doing things that have been done before but you haven't done them before and the process of learning it is going to teach you some very important things that you could apply instantly all over the place and then you don't have that dependence on a third-party vendor you can do it yourself so 
That's where we, that's our unique value prop, as the kids would say. Right. So, I mean, really it's, you're teaching the fundamentals. And then once people actually understand that, they have the freedom to build, you know, a powerful solution for whatever it is they might need. Am I understanding that right? You're, that's exactly right, man. That's like Perfect. page 73 of our mission statement. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. Yeah. You know, so. make, make sure that they, they have just enough solution to solve the problems they're having and not anymore. Yeah. You know, it's like in sales. Uh, you don't want to undersell someone. You don't want to oversell them. You want to sell them just what they need yep. and, you know, service them properly. So that makes sense. And, you know, again, kind of back to the military thing, it's, it's always kind of interesting how these different fundamentals and principles do interweave through all, you know, all these different industries. And it always kind of goes back to the same core strategies and tactics, just getting expressed in different ways. I've always found that really interesting. Yeah, it is. So let me ask you this. If somebody's wanting to get started down this path or, you know, they need to start seeing some uh, better results in their company, you know, whatever software they're developing. Is there any resources or anything that you recommend they go check out, download a tool? What's a good way for them to start uh, making improvement in their business? That's a really good question. And I've been asked that quite a few times. I probably should put something together. You know what? I'm just going to do it. I'm going to put something together. I get asked this, like, how do I get started with automation? Um, Let me send you something. Let me put together something like a PDF. Um, Just kind of walk you through step by step, pick a stack, some tools to to work with just to get started and get familiar with the concepts of automation. I think that'd be good. Is that something I could send you? Yeah. Yeah. That sounds good. Is this like a nuts and bolts type thing? Like someone can actually like get started and I'm guessing from what you're saying, like they could actually start testing their software or a website. Well, it's going to be website oriented and just kind of bring up a browser, do some operations and things. But I mean, those are the core components for any automated test used to the idea of, okay, I've got this complex idea. Let's break it down into parts. And what do I got to do to make this happen? You know, taking that, taking that approach where you just decompose something down into atomic parts and pieces and then, Google for the answer. Everything I know about automation, man, it's on Google. It's out there doing our thing, you know? You know, I can relate. Um, <laughs> a lot of web development, oh, I mean, web development's the same way, a lot of design. I feel like I learned more from, you know, just working in the trenches, research yeah. Google when you can't find something. You know, even like back to formal schooling, things change so fast. You know, the stuff that was current while I was in school. Um, you know, they didn't, they didn't have any answers. You had to go try to find other, you know, professionals that were, you know, thankfully sharing the knowledge with everyone. And that's kind of what you're doing here too. So, you know, we're thankful for people like you out there in the industry. Oh, you're making me blush, man. All right. So if you give me, get me, uh, your PDF, uh, downloadable and, uh, whenever you get that to me, we'll make sure there's a link. So people who listen to this can download it. Awesome. Sounds good, man. All right. Well, so let's wrap up. Um, If people want to find you online, what are the best places for them to go? LinkedIn is a good place to go. Um, You can find me, Michael Fritz Fritchus. Um, I'm all over the place. I'm a pretty prolific poster. I'm told I post a lot for a guy who does what I do. You'll (laughs) probably find me. Um, The next best way would be email. You can email me, fritz at archdevops.com. Yeah, I'd love to get in touch with you and find out 
hear more about what you're, what you're looking for, any questions, things like that. You can schedule some time to talk. And yeah, those two are the, those two are the best ways to get a hold of me. Perfect. Perfect. So, well, um, I'd like to thank you for, you know, taking some time out of your day to share your insights and, you know, help everybody else out there get a little bit better. So uh, until next time, have a great day and look forward to chatting again. All right. You too, man. Thank you for having me on.